Welcome back to another episode of Lost in the Shuffle. I have a new guest. I have a guy who's going to stick around with me and do these podcasts uh, with me. He's a guy I've known for a long time, actually. Um, his name is John. John, I don't know how much uh, you want to reveal your last name or anything like that, but John, tell, reveal it. tell us a little bit about you, John Lalogia, my Paisan buddy. Well, this is an honor to be to be on the pod, I, I must say. Um, it's it's been a lifelong dream, at least since 2020 when you when you created it. But yeah, yeah my name is John Lalogia. Um, Pete and I actually went to high school together. I was a few years older than him. Um, he he was an integral part in the 2007 state championship. I was a non-integral part, and I think we maybe won regionals in 2005. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've known Pete for a long time. We had, I think we had an advertising class where we <laughs> created a video, I believe, in like 2000 three or four uh where we use nelly and the uh can't stop me now i believe soundtrack and we did a bunch of really part of a champion part of a champion that's right yeah <laughs> you get a variety of dumb shit in your uh in, on your street and in your driveway so shout out miss yeah, trout uh, <laughs> right exactly but uh dude what a callback yeah i know right but yeah so i'm a huge baseball fan um you know Played a little bit in college uh, at a small D two school, but uh, you know, you know, just just a huge fan and uh, been a writer for uh, Beyond the Box Score, which is a sabermetric website. Um, you might follow them on Twitter, but uh, but yeah, love the game and and love talking baseball. Um, so wanted to hop on with PD. He's been doing a great job um, with the Sheffield Shuffler, and and definitely check out all the social uh, and stuff he's doing on the blog. He's doing some really cool stuff and. Thought I'd pop on uh, while my ten-month-old son is asleep, and I have a few hours of of quiet, so He's I get to be I get, I get to be an adult now as opposed to dad. Yeah, that's a great intro. I appreciate the kind words. That's a nice. Is that a, a Brooklyn Dodgers hat? It is. So, I my my wife is from Los Angeles. I obviously you and I are from the, the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and I, she, we met in Chicago. Uh, she worked for a hotel company. She's doing a rebrand. She went back out to LA. I went with her. So I lived out there for a couple months and got to go to a couple NLCS Dodger games and Cubs in 2017. We moved out there. So um, <clears throat> funny story. She, um, she, she ran the Lowe's Hollywood hotel and she knows the traveling secretary for the Cubs who does all the travel. And so in 2017, they're playing the nationals, I believe in the NLDS. And if they win, if they beat the Nationals in that game, <clears throat> the Cubs face the Dodgers, which means she would be able to get a massive sale, <laughs> like having the whole team come to LA because she was messaging with with their their traveling uh, traveling secretary saying, "Hey, like we need a place to stay if we win this game in yeah. Game Five. Uh, and she's like, "Yeah, so this is a massive sale." And my wife is a sports fan. You know, she's a Bears fan. Unfortunately, I'm a Packer fan. Uh, but he die diehard Cub fan. But I have never, I have never seen her more into a baseball game in my life than Game Five of the. I believe Wade Davis shut the door mm -hmm. uh, to close it out in Game Five because if, if the Cubs win, she gets a, a, not only an unbelievable sale. We we got to go to. She got an unbelievable sale. We got to go to games one and two. She met Madden. She met the entire 2017 team. Wow. Um, they stayed at her hotel. And 
And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. But I got this hat in L.A. It was, uh, if you can see, it was a commemorative Jackie Robinson. So it was like yeah. 42 on the back. I don't know. It's kind of dark in this room. but Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, man. It's dope. Quality. I love all that uh, old baseball memorabilia. Cooperstown or... Collection, dude. I'm such a sucker for that stuff. Like, I'll go yeah. on the website, and my wife's like, you don't, like, why are you even looking at this? This is for like 12 year olds. I was like, yeah, but this like Griffey, this is, but this is like in the like early, early nineties, late eighties. Like when he played with his dad and you know, yeah. she's like, why are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's ah, so cool. There's like we, so much, there's so much great history with baseball and the Cooperstown collection is just like a genius way to sell memorabilia and apparel. And now you can dress up your son with all that cool swag, right? Oh yeah. dude. Cause I know he, I, I have old family. Yeah, like I have old photos of me wearing like cool, you know, either a Yankees jacket or a Cubs hat. And you look back on it, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I love like just seeing that, you know. So I was at my parents' house uh, for the Super Bowl and we I, I grew up a Packer fan. My dad grew up in, in uh, when he was young in the 60s with Lombardi and the Packers. So he became a Packer fan. I have four sisters, so naturally I was like, this is the only male figure in my life. I'm just going to do what he's doing. And I was in my parents' – so we're at the Super Bowl, or at my parents' house watching the Super Bowl, and I'm in my parents' basement, and they got, like, my old jerseys from high school and different stuff that they kept, and they kept my Packers starter jacket from, like, 95. The front pouch? The front pouch with yeah. the logo on the back, and I was like – holy shit yeah let us wear this podcast oh yeah absolutely okay, let, cool. the, let the f's fly dude so i was like you gotta be kidding me and i i put it on dude and i it just it was it was unbelievable like i brought it back i brought it back here i i'm gonna wear it <laughs> next football season and i'm gonna keep it around unless my son wants to wear it but like dude it's super like it was unbelievable i yeah it's so cool like and then all my, like my friend, you know, Jimmy had a cowboy one. My other friend had like a bear one, you know, it was yeah. just like, it was like such a. The Toronto Raptors was a pretty popular one. The one with the, the purple Raptor. I remember yeah. there's a lot of kids that had that. Damon Stoudemire. He was like one of my favorite NBA players because he was, I'm left-handed and he was left-handed. So I was like, dude, Damon Stoudemire. Like, yeah. he's, he's the man. I'm I like mean, so biased with what like left-handers. The resemblance pictures. is uncanny. Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. for sure. All right, John. So what I have been doing recently is uh, kind of just breaking down positions because there is not jack shit going on with baseball right now. So yeah, right. We got we got millionaires fighting with billionaires. Um, you know, I yeah, I've, I've listened to more labor lawyers come on like talk radio and just try to explain this. Mm -hmm. And it's such, it wanted obviously it's such a bummer too. Like this is like this sport really can't afford any more negative publicity. Like they're losing fans as it is left and, and right. So, yeah. So when every, every time they're talking about it is this, is this lockout and like free agency and essentially the, the owners can just wait them out. Like the owners are going to be like, listen, like if there's not a deal by the 28th, we're going to cancel games. You're not getting paid. We we have billions of dollars. We don't care. Really, all we want is expanded playoffs. So, if if you if we we cut most of the season or half of the season and we still get expanded playoffs, like we don't care. You know, they're just gonna wait wait them out. I feel like I think they do. Which care. is a total dick. Which is a total dick move. But 
that's how you become right that's what that's how i mean you become rich. i think they do care though john because i mean bottom line it does come down to dollars and when games are not being played both both parties are losing money right um but you're right they man, do have the, the upper hand in an impossible position too like yeah the whole structure is weird when his bosses are the 30 owners like yeah, it's it just, it's just difficult. Like, I feel like he gets paid what 20 million dollars. He gets paid how many millions of dollars a year to just take all the slings and arrows for the owners. Right. You know? I That's think that just, pay for. yeah, that get, that comes with any commissioner's job, right? Like Goodell does the same thing. Like he works for the owners and he protects them. That's why anything that comes out about a franchise, you know, some shady stuff going on, it's always, him covering up for him because that's his job. You know, here's one thing I saw Walker Bueller tweeted mm-hmm. that was, uh, it just kind of showed how out of touch he is. Please tell me how, what we, the players are asking for is crazy. Inflation happens, markets rise, money grows. Ask our owners, they know. Why would we agree to less than even inflation level income rises? Would you take that? Hey, buddy. Everybody takes that. Yeah. Have you ever also, had a performance he, he review? A, was he writing a poem or a haiku? I feel like that rhyme. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But dude, I, the fact that he says, you know, inflation level income rises, would you take that? Bro, I don't know if you've ever worked like a normal job before, but when you have a performance review and they talk about your raises, it's less than inflation all the time. Yeah. They're, they're super. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. I, I do. I do think like, you know, I, I think it, this is more digestible for me now because you, you and I are obviously a little bit older in the working world and have worked in business. And I think, young, I think, you know, in the 94 strike, <clears throat> the blame really went to the players, like these greedy players, what are they doing? And I feel like now it's kind of flipped. And I feel like that because a lot of, uh, there's just more information. There's more technology. We know more about how much these owners make versus the players. Um, and there's such a disparity and an inequality of wealth. I get like definitely Walker Buehler has never had a real job. He's definitely out of touch. And I don't disagree with you there. But like player salaries has, have consistently gone down year after year. And, and owners are making more money every year. And I do feel like the players do have like a, you know, a valid point um, because there is such a, a disparity of wealth. And I feel like now uh, the owners uh, they're going to, I feel like if they don't, you know, if they don't come to a decision, I feel like the owners are going to get slammed. Not, not the players, at least, at least this time around. What do you, what do you think? I think players are getting paid more than they have ever. Um, as opposed well, yes, to 94, you know what I mean? Like now baseball money is astronomical. I mean, we're talking about people getting paid half a billion dollars, right? It, it's crazy. I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And, but like you and I are businessmen. Like we, like you look at the disparity of wealth and they're, yes, I know they're making more money than they did in 94, but they're, their salaries are consistently going down while MLB makes more money. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, does it? 
it's just hard for me to feel bad for anyone, John, that um, a normal person who makes $50,000 a year has to work three years to make the same amount of money that Max Scherzer makes in one inning, John. You pitched. You know how fast you can work an inning. You can work an inning in nine pitches, that five, whatever it is, you can work an inning in about three minutes. Most people who make $50,000 a year have to work three years to make what he makes in one inning. So just for me personally, I cannot feel bad for you, man. When you're complaining about that stuff. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad for the players. They make insane amounts of money for doing something that people would do for free. A kid's game for a child. Or some people pay to do in a softball league in the summer. I'm talking about myself. Yeah. So like I, I don't feel bad for them at all, but as far as like negotiations, if you were, if you were a player and you're like, this is what I'm worth. This is what they're paying us. This is the salaries that keep going down. I feel like they have a valid argument. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to get a deal done by the 28th? I, I choose to remain optimistic. I don't I, want to I, be, I, hope so. I don't want to be negative. That's just something I've been, trying to just work on just in my life period is about, you know, there's being present being positive. Yeah. Or just, there's no point in worrying about things. There's no production. Nothing comes out of worrying. You have no control. If you have no control over it, there's no reason to worry about it and just choose to be optimistic. Like, yes, hopefully nobody, they don't want to miss out on money. So let's get this started on time. I, I really hope they, they get a deal done. I I have, I don't, I'm so skeptical with the owners. I feel like they don't, they're, they don't like to be told what to do mm. and don't fucking take it down. They'll be like, fine, we're going to cancel games. We don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, we'll cancel some games, not all of them, but I don't think they care. I really, I really don't. They care about expanded playoffs a lot. So doesn't that only just show you that they do not care about expanded about expanding the game of baseball because you just said it there right if the whole initiative during the season we need to grow the game of baseball we need to get um you know in, into the inner cities and t- teach young kids about baseball nobody knows who mike trout is you don't then if you're doing this you're proving that you do not care about the game of baseball 100 because here's the thought process they've always they baseball this is a lot of sports in general but baseball they're like that's fine the fans will come back the problem is they're not they're not coming back. The game is, is slower than ever. There's a ball in play, I think, almost every four minutes, I believe, which is ridiculous. You have TikTok. You have Twitch. Video games are insane. With I feel like you're in an interactive movie. The graphics are unimaginable. You, you can play online. You can play someone across the country. You can play in groups. Like, you, can do, you can do so so much i just social media on your phone and you watch a baseball game like you're not getting you're missing out on a lot of millennials you're you're definitely not getting gen z you can forget about it you're really not integrating the game as far as like minorities yes the the dominican players and things like that but there are less african-american players than ever in the game certainly not as much as the 70s and 80s and so you're not growing the game the pace of play sucks you're you're in a lockout and I think these owners, just like Manfred, like they're businessmen. They they want revenues. They like to win at business. I, I think honestly they do this as like a 
is like, oh, this is my toy. Like, this is something cool that I own and I can bring my friends in the booth. And, but like, do they really know the history of baseball? Some do. I feel like Tom Ricketts does a little bit, but a lot of these guys, like, I don't think they give a shit. They care about their bottom line, which is why they have so much money in the first place. This is that kind of ruthless capitalism that I feel like you kind of need to be that wealthy and those types of decision-making. So I feel like some certainly do, um, but I feel like a lot of them don't. And I feel like Manfred is a loyal soldier and he is going to do what is in the best interest. And he's a terrible public speaker. He's going to completely butcher it. Um, But he also seems like the guy who doesn't care if he's disliked. Goodell, for sure, doesn't give a flying F right. what people think about him. He couldn't care less. Yeah. Um, and I, the, I think I think Manfred cares a little b- bit more, but not enough to, to go against his bosses, to not be a lawyer soldier. I mean, they hired him because he's a labor lawyer. Like, that's his background. So that should tell you something. Two of the things that you said, one of them is just like hockey, I think, baseball is a diehard sport, okay? You're not getting any casual baseball fans. There are no pass. That's a great point. There are no passive fans in baseball. You either don't give a shit about baseball or you love it like us talking about it at like eight o'clock on a Friday night. Exactly. Yeah. But by by the way, for the listeners, we are, we're cool. All right. Yeah. We went out last night. Yeah. We (laughs) go out a lot. All right. Now, you know, I'm not going out tomorrow night, you know, but uh, you know, or the next night, it's Sunday night and you got prime prime shows. Um, But you know, we, (laughs) We go out. We've been out. A couple yeah. Times. Bath and Body Works. Yeah. I bought some candles. Yeah. Real nice. But um, yeah, like just about saying you're not growing the game of baseball because those loyal fans are going to come back. Just like I will come back. I'm never going to not watch it. But that's just because like we will always watch baseball. But you're not, like you said, growing the game. And I wanted to disagree with you about Ricketts being a baseball fan. Because from what I have seen, he is not. He did after the, the Cubs won the World Series. He didn't give a shit about that's the product true. on he, the field he, he built after he won he changed after he won he built i'll give you that he built wrigley world john it used to be wrigleyville and i loved it that was the neighborhood there was a dingy bars uh the you know uh, the, the neighborhood feel. And then he turned it into Wrigley world, Ricketts world with a monstrosity of, of corporate uh, banners everywhere and billion dollar hotels and a, a, a bowling alley and a movie theater. And it's all this monstrosity. It's a huge attraction. I, it's, you know, they're very beautifully well done. Do you remember that used to be like a, this shitty area where you would go after college in your early twenties and live because it was affordable. And now it's completely John, That's where I live. And you can't afford me too. I live, I live just off the Sheridan. It was like Wrigleyville North. I lived off the Sheridan Redline stop, my first apartment, and I would walk. And this is when they sucked. This was in like 2010. They were yeah. horrific, and they sucked so bad. And I lived in Chicago for a couple of years there. And I would just go to games. I remember I bought a ticket in like 2011 uh, for like $15 and like pretty good seats because like no one cared. The facilities were crap. The neighborhood definitely had a really authentic feel. There was like, um, I was doing improv at the time and IO was right on Clark street, which is super fun. And I would go to like, I would do show or do a show or go see a show. And then I would go like walk down the street in Wrigley and there was a ton of great stuff. It's completely different now, but you know, that's John, do you know why this 
brand is called Sheffield Shuffler? Yeah, because of the Sheffield. Because I lived on the corner of Sheffield and Addison. And when I would come home wasted drunk and I'd be shuffling down the street, my friends would go, there he is, the Sheffield Shuffler. Dude, I did not know the origin story. I figured obviously it had to do something with Sheffield. I didn't yes. know where the Shuffler came from. Yeah, I was on Sheffield and Addison. Same thing, 60 yards away from the stadium. I would do, I would do the same thing, but when my apartment, I would... It was kind of nice because it was a little less traffic. So I would go, I would go up Sheffield, which turns into Sheridan. Right. The red line is right there. Yeah. Right. And right I by Holiday, uh, Holiday Club. Holiday Club. Yeah. Which, so owned by Vince Vaughn's brother. Is it really? Yeah. Vince Vaughn's brother been, owns it. I've been to several parties there. Good time. And then that <laughs> dance club, like in the back, which was really fun. But I would, I would get, I would get drunk on Clark Street a lot of times for like college football on Saturdays or a Cubs game. I don't drink as much now, but like I used to in my early twenties, obviously you're out of college, you're living in the city, you're at, you're on your, you know, and there's just everything. And uh, I would get wasted. I'd walk. And then I don't know if you know, cross from holiday club, there's like this standalone Byron's and it's like this hot little, it's like this little makeshift hot dog stand in the corner of Sheridan and like West Irving park road. And I would, dude, I would get like, garlic fries and like a euro and this is like like really and just just destroy it and then wake up just feeling like i want to die but yeah. it's just the best and i did it every single weekend mm -hmm. all the time sometimes during the week during the week yeah i would have a six-pack for dinner a lot of nights i remember yeah, yeah. those are you my friends would live down the street those were the good times good times not as good now though with our Adoring wives and families, right? We 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 love our wives. Get did you get that? Yeah. We're, we love <laughs> look, in the, look in the camera. Look in the camera. Look in the camera. I love you. I love my son. Life is great. I'm the happiest I've ever been because of my family. Yeah. <laughs> Convincing. <laughs> All right, John. Let's. I, that, I, I am very happy. That's true. I'm just. I so am I. So am cool. I. It is. Yeah, they're the best. They are the best. Um, but let's get into what we were talking about. Um, today's going to be second baseman. We're going to make our way around the diamond. Okay. I started with catchers. I started with catchers. Then I went to first base the other day. And now me and you are going to cover second baseman today. Dude. Okay. I'm, so I'm ready. I'm ready to rock the least, uh, least athletic position on the field right now with analytics. Usually a short, a short guy too. A lot of short people play second base, right? Altuve. Um, yeah. Oh, like always, but also like second base is weird because no one is just a second baseman anymore. I feel like you don't find any prospects. You're like, Oh, we're drafting for this second baseman. Like it's very rare. It's like a shortstop who can't throw anymore. Or a third baseman who can't throw over, you know, has lost his, his arm or something, but yeah. Uh, uh, it's almost like you just plug and play. You're like, all right, who can hit? Well, when they are drafting baseball, they're drafting for talent, right? I mean, like you said, they're not drafting for a position. We're looking for a second position. You're looking for pretty much an infielder. If you're an, you know, third, second, short, first, if you're a good infielder, like we will find a position for you pretty much somewhere right. in there drafting for talent. 
Um, And a lot of these guys that we're going to discuss have eligibility uh, at second base and at shortstop. So there might be some kind of crossovers with that. And that's a big thing too in fantasy baseball is um, that eligibility piece and not just having an eligibility at second base, but having that at shortstop too, because it gives you that ability to kind of move them around uh, to more than one position. Yeah, absolutely. The only caveat with that, you got to be careful about it where, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but war doesn't account for multiple positions, right? Oh, I have no idea. So I believe, so when you, when you look at someone, so if you're looking at like fan graphs mm-hmm. or something, and I don't know if they can account for this, but I believe that war does not account for players playing different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say is, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think I, it does. I, I think because it's wins above replacement. So I think it's just when you are playing, I don't know if it's depends on. Yeah. But a replacement player in that specific position, but I don't think it's take, like, even look at Chris Bryant, like I think it's taking his war as a third baseman, but how often does he play outfield left field? Or, yeah. Or right. sometimes first base, you know what I mean? Right. And some of these guys like, uh, you know, move around quite a bit, like Javi, like he, you know, he's a second baseman, but he played short. There's a couple, you know, Trey Turner, you know, mm-hmm. like, so we'll get it. All right. So why don't you kick it off? Okay. Um, you just mentioned him. I'm going to start with a bust. And like I said, there's going to be some turnover because when I'm looking at fan graphs and uh, fantasy pros uh, and I'm looking at second baseman, they throw them in there because they have eligibility too. So yeah. First one for a bust I'm going to stay away from is Javier Baez, okay? Javier Baez, he's ranked eighth best second baseman because he has eligibility at shortstop and second. He had the most strikeouts among second baseman last year with 184. Um, he had a career, it's a career high for him. His plate discipline is still very poor, okay? Why do I think that he's going to have a pickup year or a, you know, a comeback year? He's not. Why? Because he just signed a six-year, $140 million contract. I don't see any motivation because he just got his contract. So w- w- what is he going to do to, to kind of improve plate discipline? And, of course, these are just all narratives that I'm coming up with in my head. Um, he moved to the AL, okay, so it's a new division. He's not playing the Pirates. He's not playing uh, the Reds anymore where he has a lot of familiarity being in that division for so long. So he's going to be seeing new pictures in, a, in the new AL. Um, he's not going to have, I said, um, uh, familiarity, motivation. Uh, even though it's a dog shit division, um, he hit 265 average last season. He's projected around an, on 180 strikeouts again this year. He's also going to have a dip in home run production. I see most of his value on the base path and playing the field, not so much at the plates. I would agree with you there. I also feel like he's a player that now he has his contract. I also feel like he's going to get fat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I do. I I agree with everything you said. I also feel like he's going to put on weight. Like uh, Miguel Cabrera. He's going to get fat. Like Miguel Cabrera adding like, four and a half pounds every year for the next like nine, <laughs> nine years. I totally agree. I think uh, he strikes out way too much. And I do think they're going to implement some of these rule changes where I think they're going to have to move the mound back because I, it just, it's so hard to hit. And I think contact is going to come back uh, as some, as something you really look for and draft for. I mean, you look at the Astros time and time again, every time they make go deep in the playoffs or, world series they have some of the highest contact rates mm-hmm. every every year 
So there is really something to be said about putting the bat on the ball. Javi does not do that. He also makes some errors, but he also makes some incredible plays. He'll knock some balls out of the ballpark, but I definitely think the Tigers over overpaid for them, but they've sucked for so long and they had money. Um, and, and so I don't disagree with you there. I think, I think he'll probably be a bust. I don't have any busts on my sheet, but mm. uh, I will go. So we got sleepers. And it doesn't even have to be a bust. I'm just saying I'm staying away from him. You know what I mean? Like oh, I've yeah, seen. Yeah. I totally, I, I totally agree. So second baseman, obviously some of the tops, Ozzy, Ozzy Albies, Bo Bichette, um, some sleepers. Like I, I love Tommy Edmond mm-hmm. a lot. Like, I just think he's, I think he's so good. Every time I watch him, I think he's incredible. Like you can pencil in like 10 to, to 12 homers. Like he's really good defensively. He hits both, both sides of the plate. Um, and I just, dude, I think he's going to get even better. I think he is a stellar player that I feel like has gotten better every single year. Um, and I just, and people are like, oh yeah, Tommy Edmund, you know, Tommy Edmund, is good. It's like, no, I think he's going to be really, really good. Solid speed. Um, but I just, I just like him a lot. He doesn't strike out. He puts the ball in play. He can steal bases. Um, and he's just awesome defensively. And just like, I don't want to like go old school, but he's just like a, a solid baseball player. Like I've watched him time and time again, and he just, he's good. He, he does everything well. He doesn't really do anything poorly and he's really consistent and he plays a lot of games. So that's a, that's a sleeper that I have that I really like. Also, also most importantly, when I play MLB, the show, I don't know (laughs) why, but I rake with him. Yeah. I just, I drop bombs and he's not, he doesn't have that much power, but like, he doesn't, I rake with him in MLB, the show, you know, like sometimes in a baseball game, depending on someone's stance you just hit better with them like depending mm. on where they are in like the batter's eye or the box um chris bryant i can't hit with but like tommy edmund i like mash the only other second baseman uh to have more stolen bases than him is trey turner trey turner had 32 tommy edmund had 30 and like you said he's not going to be hit he's not hitting for power he only had 11 home runs last year only 56 rbis of course uh because he hits up higher in the lineup um, but like you said, he does everything he's going to contribute to most offensive categories very well. Yes. So you mentioned stolen bases. So an interesting, an interesting stat, something that I, I just learned, uh, the magic or the formula for stealing bases, it is, I believe, uh, team takeoff percentage uh-huh. plus times to first base. So people think it's like, Oh, how it's how fast you are. That like makes a good like base dealer, but it's uh, I believe it's your speed to first base. It's like sprint speed to first base, like equates for how successful you're going to be at stealing bases. So the matching formula for stealing bases is team takeoff percentage versus times to first base. So how fast your guys are to first base Mm -hmm. and then how often you you choose to steal which i guess, thought was interesting guess that's why i uh, didn't steal a lot of aces yeah well i was we were, i wasn't allowed to hit so <laughs> yeah you got further <laughs> you got a lot farther than i than i did 
Um, most people, well, so part of analytics, you know, and just for the listeners, like why don't like, yes, we're talking about stolen bases, but why do, don't more people steal bases? So for, for a little edification, uh, one of the reasons Major League Baseball is not very popular right now, obviously in action, but a part of that is people, the top three things, they, they did a poll and some data, like what are the three things that people love to see in Major League Baseball? And it was triples, doubles, and stolen bases. And right now, all those categories are at all categorical like lows mm-hmm. in like the history. And the reason is analytics says don't steal because I think you have to have a 70 or 75% success rate in order to like actually be valuable mm-hmm. um, to, to steal bases. Kind of like in basketball, like if you want to shoot like that mid-range jumper has completely been eradicated from the game, unless you're like Chris Paul and can shoot like over – 50 or 60%, like a very high percentage rate right. for the, the mid-range jump shot because they would just tell you, screw it, just just shoot threes, which everyone mm-hmm. does. And I'm sure when they have, they've got uh, times on pitchers, delivery to home plate versus their time from first to second, um, plus right. the catchers, whoever's catching his delivery or snap time from home to second. So like you said, they're going to equate those things. They have those on the on the sheet that they look at and kind of determine during the game, Hey, this is a good spot. There's like positive, like estimated value here, you know? Totally. And one, one other thing they're doing, which they're trying to create more action in the game, um, which is really interesting is they're, they're going to pilot this and they might be doing it already in the minors is to, to increase action. So everyone hates when a pitcher keeps checking over to first base. It's like, throw the fucking ball. Yeah. Like, my God, and I'm a pitcher. I'm like, fucking move. Yeah. Like, I love this game more than regular people. And I'm bored. Like, get going. Um, I love the three batter rule. I think that's great. So something that they're, they're piloting now is a pitcher. You can check over twice. Okay. The third time you check. Do you know this? No. The, the third time you I was, checked over. Okay. I was just, I was just so upset after you said I was happy with the three batter rule. I was just like, what the <laughs> fuck did he just say? <laughs> uh, I hate the runner on second and extra innings. I think that's ridiculous, but we, we can get into that. But so the, the, with their piloting the minor leagues, you can throw over twice to first base. The third time you throw over, okay, you have to pick them off. Okay. So if you go over and try to throw, you have to get them out. If you don't, okay, they automatically get second base, all right? But here's the other thing. It also incentivizes that runner on third time to be like, all right, he's, he, you know, like he's not going to throw. If he, he throws over a third time, he has to get the cat and mouse so, game. So exactly. So I fucking know he's going he's gonna to throw a pitch here, and then that creates more incentive to steal bases because you so, know he's going home. Is that so consecutively really is consecutive pickoffs or at, at one at bat? You know what I'm saying? So it's like throw right, no, to I first think, I think pitch or ball. I think it's a total. I don't think there's a reset. Okay. So yeah, per, per new batter or yes. one batter. Yes. Which yeah. I think is really smart. 
Yeah, I just don't like any of those rules, John. Uh, they talked about, you know, put, implementing a pitch clock. The three, the three batter rule, John, I would think as a lefty, you would have some pride and say, you know what? That takes away from left-handed specialists that get yeah, called but- out of the pen to yes. come face right-handed batters. You're getting rid of uh, these left-handed specialists that become such a big part of the game. And I think that adds, heightens the game more. Yeah, it stops the game. They got to come in and do that. But when that happens, it, it, it creates more of excitement. I agree. But also as a pitcher, I, you know, like there is some, there is some confidence and respect to be like, I can get any hitter out. I don't, I don't just want to come in and face lefties. Like your Randy Choates of the world, my God, or, you know, uh, Jeff Fazero or whatever. Like I, I get it, but as a pitcher, you want to have the confidence to be like, I can get any, any pitcher out. And I, I do. I, I think there, I think, I think the game has a huge pace of play problem. I think that that really does help it. And as a lefty, like I I get what you're saying and right. There's strategy, but I I think it's a good rule. Like you should be able to get every hitter out. John, who's, who's coming to watch baseball as soon as they get rid of that rule, they can pitch. They only pitch the three batters. They have to, Oh my God, let's go to the Dodgers game. Like nobody's doing that. That's not a real thing where it's like, we're going to increase the pace of play. And now all these fans are going to come. That's the problem. That was never the problem. It's just, people don't like baseball. They don't love it. They don't understand it. It's a smart person's game. It's a smart person's game. Well, you're right. It's it's, and that's, that's a reason that, that football is so digestible. It's real. It's once a week. It's really simple to understand. Um, and, and I feel like sometimes when I talk about baseball, I, I feel like I'm talking to this other person and they feel like they need to do homework. And I yeah. even notice it and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like, yeah. you know, like, and again, like you said, you either love it or you're totally ap- you know, totally apathetic. That's why I feel for like, I really feel for now we can get in a hall of fame discussion. Like, Bonds, Clemens, even the Astros who cheated. Like it, it sucks for them because either people don't know who the hell they are or the people that do know them know them for something totally, you know, insidious or just mm. terrible. Like, and they can't go anywhere. Like Bonds is a is a they're talking about like Bonds in the Hall of Fame. It's like, dude, that that guy's life is done. Like he's a prisoner of the Bay Area. He can't, it is like his safe space. He takes a foot outside of San Francisco. He's going to get smoked. Same with Clemens in Texas. Like these guys are prisoners. They can't, they can't go, they can't go anywhere. I don't know how we got on this topic, but sorry. I'm like totally ambushing your show. No, you're not. No. Um, But no, Bonds, Bonds, he was a a hitting coach in Miami for a while. I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah. For the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, That didn't really uh, work out. Yeah. Um, What were we, what else were we saying? Do you want me to go back to my second baseman? No, you already gave your second baseman. You took a uh, Tommy Edmond. Then we started talking about running and stealing bases and then, right. the new, and then the new rules and then hall of fame. And that's where it got, that's where we left off. How about this? I got a, I'm unsure slash bust um, Brandon Lau. So Brandon Lau uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays. Yeah. 
Um, I'm unsure about him. Okay. Cause he's never played more than 82 games in a season until last year. Last year was uh, the most games he's ever played. Uh, it's his first year with a full workload. He started out ice cold. Okay. He got drafted, uh, decently high, I believe in last year's draft. Um, in April, he batted 182 in May, he batted 196. So not even batting his weight. Uh, most owners dropped him. I remember seeing him on the waiver wire. Um, but then he got on fire. He hit, uh, 1.032 OPS in July, which is absurd. That's I think what the, you know, Vladdy ended with one point something this year. Um, and then he didn't have an OPS lower than 900, which is all-star elite caliber uh, for the rest of the season. So I don't know if I'm willing to take him um, and, you know, sacrifice such a slow start um, in hopes that he would heat up later. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I've watched, you know, I like him. And I, I also think he's, he's good in the playoffs. Like he's also, I know there's no clutch stat, but face it, some guys are good in pressure situations and some are not. Yeah, I lo- I like him, and I just I just googled him because I want to see how old he was. He's twenty seven. Okay, I would uh, I think he's a viable option because mm-hmm. he's ranked uh, number I, seven, so he's ranked you know top ten. Yeah, I would say not. I would say not a bust. I thought he he looks older, but he's twenty seven. Mm-hmm. I I would say no. Uh, I I like him. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be a bust. Um, I think he's. I think he's pretty solid. Okay. One, uh, Tell, talk to me about this. So, like the the streamers, like you're gonna laugh. I get it, and I understand that you're not gonna take this seriously. But I do think I have to say this. Like this guy gets no respect at all. Roddy and, Dangerfield. No, well that too. Tommy Lestella, man. Yeah. That that guy is a good like for a streamer. Okay, I'm not talking about someone who's you know. Underrated he or whatever, he but like, was one of the best off the bench players I have seen it, with, when he was with the Cubs, one of the best players off the bench. I have never seen more hits from somebody coming off cold off the bench. Agreed. But even when he went to the angels and how many bombs he dropped, like, and, and mm-hmm. like, and then he goes to, and then he goes to San Francisco. Like he's at San Francisco. He plays 200, he gets, he gets 220 at bats. Seven bombs, 27 RBIs, an OPS of 713. Like, dude, I, I think he's solid. And I just don't know why that guy cannot. I really don't know why that guy, like. Can't find a position. No. like Time on the field. Yeah. I, I, I think I think he's good. And then I also had Jeff. I like Jeff McNeil a lot. I've liked him for, for a long time. So, like, you know, like an OPS of 679 or uh, OPS of 679, but. You know, he, he can play outfield too. And, and I just, I like him hit like batting from the left side. And I, I just think, I just think he's, I think he's also like a guy where you can just put in, I don't think he's like an elite player, but Listella and Jeff McNeil, I think are two solid players. I'm trying to see where Jeff McNeil is ranked right now. Um, you don't see a ranking on him, do you? No, I try to like that's what the point. I try to find guys that like were a bit obscure. I was like, because obviously, obviously, I have my list of like the top second baseman, but um, yeah, but that's so easy. That's what I said. I mean, we could like argue over like, oh, do you like Trey Turner, Marcus Simeon? And it's like, you're yeah. not going to lose if you pick one. That's what I said um, the other day when I was doing um, first baseman. I'm like, you're not going to lose when you choose the top five first baseman. Like, they're all very good options. 
Yeah, of course. That's why you're trying to find these diamonds in a rough for people that, you know, like will kind of surprise you. Like again, okay. So for my, for my sleepers, like, I don't know if you could put, eh, I was going to say like, you can't really, can you put Whit Merrifield as a sleeper or no? No. Okay. No, I think he's ranked number. What, okay. Can you put Colton Wong as a sleeper? Four. Can you yes. put Colton Wong as a sleeper? Okay. Yes. I I like Colton Wong. No, the only thing about Colton he's ranked twenty third. Yes, you could have. The only thing about Colton Wong is that he's like he's one of the only guys on here that's like strictly a second baseman. He's thirty mm-hmm. years old. He signed what? I think he signed a two year deal, eighteen million with the the Brewers last year. Okay. Mm. So he was like 272, 14 home runs, twelve stolen bases. Three three wins above replacement, only 116 games. But he was hurt a lot. He had like an oblique injury, he was out, and then a calf injury. And so he was he was on the IL like several times. But for his career, he's a hundred for 130 on stolen base attempts. So that's like roughly 77 percent. Mm. Um, and last year he was like 12 for 17, but if that dude is healthy, I think he, I think he's fantastic. I think he's such a good player. And I don't think he has many left because he's 30, but I think he's definitely a sleeper this year if he can stay healthy. I also look at the division that these players play in, John. And uh, the, I mean, the NL Central is dog shit. Terrible. You know what I mean? I was literally going to say it's complete dog shit. The only uh, dominant pitching is on his team with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. Burns. And then I'd throw uh, Jack Flaherty in there from the Cardinals, but that's the only dominant pitching I think that lives in that division. So What's the best division in baseball, do you think? The best opinion? division in baseball. Uh, I mean, what? Got Maybe the AL East? Got to be with Boston, New York, and the Blue Jays. Um, yeah. I mean, NL West, maybe, with the Dodgers probably, and the Giants. Padres and Padres. I, I think would probably I would probably say that. I think the Giants obviously overperformed like yes. last year, but I think it's the I think it's the NL West for sure. Yeah, yeah the AL East for I think is a viable option, but hey, when are the fucking Orioles gonna get good? They took everybody from the front office from the, the cheating Astros, so Mike Elias and Sid Midal, that guy who's like your analytics guru. John, your your microphone is uh, buzzing. Sorry, you sounded like a robot. Sorry, can you hear me now? No, it's still buzzing. <laughs> you sound like you have one of those things on your neck. Oh, yeah, exactly. Do I still sound like that? Yes. It just like it just popped in. All right, well, you you figure that out. Let, let me know when. Can I leave and come back? Um, yeah, it'll stop. I think it'll stop recording. All right, I won't do that. I've never had someone leave and then come back. <laughs> there. Oh, I think you're good now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, now you're good. I unplugged. Uh the zoom so now you can just i'm using my regular computer oh okay does that mess you up no no you're good cool 
Um, I'll go ahead and give you a sleeper too. Um, I got uh, Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal came from uh, the White Sox, came to the Cubs in a trade this offseason where he is a, he was a 317 average hitter. He's um, good. Very above average. He had a above average, a 764 OPS. He's only 24 years old. Very new, very young to the league, which is why I like him. Guys learn best when they're thrown into situations that they have to kind of sink or swim, cut their teeth a little bit. I think he's going to get a lot of work at second base. He's going to get a lot of work at second base for the Cubs this season. He's ranked third in average among all second basemen. And he also does not strike out very often. Projections say around 40 times next season with around 500 ABs. I mean, I completely agree. I think I thought he was a good, I think he's a, a, I thought he's a very good player. People shit on him so much when he was with the White Sox. Like, yeah, very critical, particularly with his defense. Like, Mm -hmm. my God, like he, he's, he's a very good player. Um, And I feel like, didn't get the respect he deserved when he was with the White Sox. Cause I feel like every, I mean, they were just stacked in every position and he, and I don't think he's a weak link, but he wasn't like, he wasn't Jose Abreu. He wasn't, you know, Luis Robert, like Eloy. He, yeah. Yeah. Eloy too. Like, dude, the funniest thing about Eloy Jimenez uh, is except everything with his defense was <laughs> yeah, like, the defense. I remember, dude, I remember Steve Stone talking about like like spring training and he was just like this guy like he just needs to like he goes he goes just don't move like he got Luis Robert in center field like he goes because he was like running into people and he had hit Luis Robert and he and Steve Stone was trying to be super chill but you could tell he was getting so fucking pissed yeah And, and then and then like he was just like Someone needs, he goes, someone needs to walk out there and go, you know, Luis, like this five feet, this is yours. Everything else, just don't move. Yeah. Okay. Like, don't just don't do anything. And then like, literally not even a week later, he goes up for that whole run ball that he's not even remotely close for hurts his shoulder. Right. Yep. And, uh, and then they had Steve Stone back on and he goes, you know, it's, uh, it's really really unfortunate because <laughs> this could have been avoided by he had to just by him doing nothing you know yeah. and he was just like irate and it was the funniest fucking thing yeah well then he was flying into the stance to remember the netting he was like all yeah. tangled up in the netting yeah. and I, I was like here's the solution you're gonna have to make that guy dh like mm-hmm. you can't trust him like you you can't have a conversation with him be like hey don't do anything you're like okay he's gonna do something right and What's what's he can hurt himself worse. He can hurt someone else like Luis Robert in the outfield, like fucking put him as a DH. Don't even let him off the bench. Right. Keep everybody safe. There you go. Keep everyone That's the safe. Motto. Um, yeah. So Madrigal totally 100% agree with you. Yeah. And he'll be available very late in the draft. I'm sure. Definitely. Another sleeper I got, not really sleeper, he's ranked 13th overall for second baseman, but only for the sole fact that he gets you eligibility at every position, second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield, which is Chris Taylor. He plays in a Dodgers lineup that is very productive. Um, so if you want some, you know, wiggle room at uh, different positions, Chris Taylor always comes up clutch uh, for, for uh, that position. 100%. And he can, he can, like, 
He's good defensively. He can fly. He can steal bases. He's a smart player mm. um, and has more power than you would think. Yeah. And also like in big situations too, like that Cardinal game with that walk-off home run. Like, yeah, he's like, also too, like when I lived out in LA, I was able to watch him on a fairly consistent basis, uh, which was really cool. And see Kershaw pitch, that team was stacked. They went, you know, obviously went to the world series and lost to the, to the Astros in, in 17th lost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he was a stud, man. Like, and he was playing like infield, like left field, center field. I mean, they put him everywhere. And he's just like, again, just like another, just really, really good baseball player. And I feel like people in LA like understand that. But outside of LA, you might not understand like how good that guy is because they have so much talent around the diamond on in LA. Yeah. And versatility with him, too. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Who else you got? That might have been my list. Let me see. Yeah, these guys are going to be too high on your list. Like, I just picked up just a couple of different things for different reasons. Like, I got Gene Segura. Gene Segura on the Phillies, right? He betted 290 last season. It's a very high average. Um, projected more runs and RBIs than he uh, produced this season. What do you think so about I, Ty France? Um, again, I for the, think for, for the Mariners, I mean, I get. I think the Mariners I, also over uh, – what did you say about the Giants? They over – Overperformed? Uh, overperformed, yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I Are, are we going to put Nico Horner in there? I looked at him and I said no. Um, he Why? Spent, he spent a lot of time off the field. Um, yeah, but when he's more, on the field, he's really, really good. Although I feel like – with with uh, Javi gone, he might play third, but I feel like he's a second baseman. Yeah, no, he he won't play third. Um, I'm trying to I'm just pulling up his stats here. Uh, so, what do you like about him? I like that he. I like number one thing is well, one I like his attitude. He's just like every day. It, there's some, obviously we watch baseball enough where there's some players that like you can tell are taking the day off or not really in it. That dude wants it every day. He's hungry. He hustles like crazy. Yeah. He's really, really good defensively. His range is exceptional. I feel like he's got really quick hands and he makes contact. He doesn't strike out. I, I, I feel like I'm turning to an old man, which makes sense for my increased love of baseball, considering their age demographic, 55-year-old yeah. white males. Yep. But, like, dude, I just really – especially with so many fucking strikeouts in today's game, like, the people that don't strike out and put the ball in play, and he and he feel like he gets the, the bat on the ball, like, it's solid, too. Like, if he grounds out, it's a hard-hit ball. Um, I just – I like the way he plays um, – that, t- that well, the lineup is different when he's in there. It just there's a different vibe. I think people really feed off his energy. Um, not vocally, I don't think he's a real vocal guy, but just his energy around the base pass in the box, the fact that he just goes really hard. Um, and on that Cubs team after they won the World Series, there's a lot of guys that didn't go super hard. So he really stood out in the last year or two um, when he was in there. I like him a lot. I. I, I think his ceiling's pretty high i, I say no on ross him. loved him ross thinks he's going to be like an all-star second baseman he said that 
Yeah, he also hasn't played more than 48 games in a season. I know. I know. He hasn't he hasn't hit a home run since 2019. Didn't he um, skip triple A? Like he went from double A to triple A because they had injuries. Uh, I don't remember. That could possibly be true. I think I think so. I think he went to double A to right to the big. I could his highest right. his highest war was 1.1. Maybe I just I just haven't seen enough from him. Maybe uh, I've seen some streaks. Uh, you know where he's maybe collected. You know five. Twenty four, dude. Games. He's still really young. Very young. Yeah. I just I just don't know if I've seen enough yet from him. But that's just me, and that's coming from a Cubs fan. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, but. I'm trying to, I understand that. I'm just, I, I'm trying to project. Like I'm trying to say like yeah. what I think. And I, I think based off all the things that I've seen, um, the last couple of years have been weird, obviously with COVID and everything mm-hmm. in the shortened season and this, and this lockout that feels like it's going on forever. Well, that's um, where you would feel smart, John, right? Is the, is the buying low and selling high. That's what we're trying to do here is like exactly. yeah, finding those, those players that are about to ascend to a next level that we are, we can already see. I mean, Edmund, mark it down. That guy's going to yeah. be huge. Uh, Kike Hernandez, Kike Hernandez with the Boston Red Sox. He had an all-star level war last year, 4.9 war, highest of his Bro. career, career high OBP. Uh, 337 with a minimum of 100 games. Let's talk about the playoffs, though. In the 11 games of the playoffs, like we were talking about, you know, about the clutch gene and being in the playoffs. In the 11 playoff games, the guy had five home runs. He batted 408 with a one. Played amazing defense. Yes, amazing defense with a 1.2 OPS. So he mashed in the postseason. Even when he was with LA, I was like, I mean, he would hit home runs. I was like, Jesus Christ, like this guy is not that big, and he is just dropping bombs like yeah. deep mm-hmm. into left center i was like good lord um dude he was a stud for for boston too yeah it's awesome to see him and schwarber i really wanted boston to go far in, in that series i i know it's not i i can't stand like there's certain teams i don't like watching um who are some of the who's like the number one team you hate to to watch um, probably like the Oakland A's and I just don't, I don't hate them. I just, I feel like the Rays. I can't watch the Rays. Oh, really? So I can't, oh, I know I they're good. I know they're good. Wander Franco's off. Awesome. Like I, I get it, but like also too, when they play at home with Tropicana field, I feel like I need to take a fucking nap. I'm like, I mean, it's a some, dump. It's a dump. Can you get some better lighting in there? I honestly it's, feel like anytime if I was a Rays fan, I'd just be like, dude, like, I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. You got to open a fucking roof or like any, even if they're on TV, I'm like, that's so dark in here. Yeah, it is. It is a dump. It's very much a dump. Uh, It's very dark in there, but I just say the, the A's also because they're on the West coast and West coast teams, you know, the games that start at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. You're already tired. I'm like ESPN two. And you're like, Oh God. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't care enough about this game at the Coliseum to watch it. So I think they just get the short end of the stick for me because I have no interest in watching them. Also another dumb. Yes. Um, I have a bounce back player of the year. I got Glaber Torres with the New York Yankees. Okay. Glaber Torres had a terrible last season and a, a terrible 2020 season. He had a 0.8 war last year. He had a negative 0.2 war in 2020. But he's also a two-time All-Star in his rookie year and in 2019. 
He really uh, struggled with fastballs. I was looking at some splits. He had the lowest batting average against uh, fastballs and slugging against them as well. His barrel percentage has gone down drastically, but I just don't see him living down there. I see him getting back to uh, where he was his rookie year and in 2019 in a good bounce back spot. And I think this is another opportunity to buy low, sell high. I would, I would definitely agree with that. He's way too mm-hmm. talented to perform like that. Like we, like you and I have, have watched him and seen him play. And when someone has like that amount of talent, like you don't just lose that. You know what right. I mean? There's some guys that like have, you know, outlier years and outperform for a couple years. Um, and then they just like really plumb it back down. He's not one of those guys. Yeah. He's just, I don't like, think so. super, he's super talented. He's got power to all fields. He just really is a, I think he's a really disciplined hitter. Um, mm. I think he's good in the field too. So I would agree with that. Yeah. A couple of years ago was a weird year. And, and sometimes like, sometimes that, that happens baseball too. It's like, it's a very weird sport. You don't really get that necessarily in basketball or football where you like, mm. just have, you just like lose it for a year or plummet. Um, and especially with baseball too, it's so fine tuned adjustments that, you can't make during the season, especially in a position player, because you're playing every day. You need a few months off to be like, what am I doing wrong? Like I need, I can't like, this can't be fixed in a day or two where I go in early, look at some video. And then for that night game. Right. Um, I'm, I totally agree. I'm not, we I'm see that concerned. with a change of scenery as, as, as well, John, when we see players that have been with an organization and yeah. start struggling, they let him go. And then he revitalizes his career in a new ballpark with a new team. 100% too. And as you know, you know, but on anyway, like baseball is such a mental game. And mm-hmm. if you're not in a good mental space, I mean, it, and that's why we, it's, it's, a, it's a thinking, thinking man's game because it is so mental. And if you're not in a good mental state of mind, you're not going to be successful. A pitcher, catcher, hitter, it, it doesn't matter. And so Baseball is the same everywhere. Like you, that's why it's that's why it's so cool. You can get traded and just be plugged in, plugged into a line. If you can't do that with basketball or football, there's so many other things that you need to playbook or whatever. Mm. But baseball, you can, and so that's why people can't understand. But like he sucked for my team and he got traded to this other team and now he's amazing. It's like that's a that's a mindset. That's a mental framing, like a mental frame of mind and a mindset a new change of scenery around new people, Mm. not with the same coaches and especially with them every day too. So Mm. it's a huge deal. And that's why you see that time and time again, because nothing and probably with these guys underperforming, unless there's an injury that's underlying, it's probably nothing physical. Right. Most of the time it's not, it's a, it's a approach. It's a fine tune adjustment, but it's nothing then it's just, it's a mental, it's a mental thing. Sure. Baby mama, you got to get away from, you know, dude. You, I mean, yeah, absolutely. A lot of probably a lot of baby mamas in uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, toxic situations, things like that. Anything that can kind of change. Uh, yeah. With that change of scenery, I think helps. Um, last one I got here just as a streamer. And again, it's, you know, very low on the list, but is Tony Kemp. I think you could pick up Tony Kemp later in the season has a, uh, he had a career high for games played. He played 131 games last year, uh, 382 OBP. And when we talk about these numbers, John, I know me and you go rapid fire, you know, Oh, OBP slug, whatever. If you don't know 
the ranking of those numbers, like what those mean and what an average number is versus what is an an above average number versus an all-star versus MVP. Like there are tiers to this. Like these numbers are quantified for a reason. Like we say 0.408, you know, or whatever, like these really do carry weight. They determine how good a player, you know, can hit and all these things. So I think that's one of the things too, is like these, like casual fans or whatever, they don't understand like what all these numbers mean. Well, when I tell you he's got a, you know, a 382 OBP, like that's on base percentage, you know, a three, a 0.360, like a 360 is considered good. 60 uh, points above 300. And he's, you know, at 382. So those things like matter, you know what I mean? When we're talking to people like that. So of course, but, but you just, but you just kind of illustrated the, the problem with the sport. It's like, it's like homework for people. They have, you have to explain, but that's how, I mean, analytics have taken over the game. That's how people evaluate players. This is what, this is what GMs and president of baseball operations are doing. They're going through these numbers and being like, they're looking at health. They're looking at age. They're looking at all of these advanced metrics to play. Their job is placing bets. Mm-hmm. Literally, literally you talk about sports betting. This should be, you know, like this is their full-time job. They do it every day and they place bets on people's futures, mm-hmm. not necessarily past performance, but future performance. Um, it's really interesting to what I think what the, I think what San Francisco is doing is, is just incredible. Like you look at Kevin Gaussman, you look at Evan Longoria, like these are guys like how the hell did Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris the, the president of baseball operations, the Scott Harris is the GM now who's with the Cubs for a while. How the hell did they get that team to perform like that? And players like Evan Longoria who thought they were done and have the season like they did. And Kevin Gaussman, who people knew were good for a really long time and couldn't get right. Like I, I just, it's, it's fascinating to me, but they did that through like these metrics in advanced in advanced analytics and figuring out like, okay, like, Yes, usually you want younger players, but someone like Longoria with his type of swing, um, you know, in terms of metrics that we don't even know, like they have their own proprietary information. They're doing, right. you know, they have, you know, they have like rocket scientists in their front office and they're doing stuff. They're creating metrics that, that no one even knows yet because right. they're even more advanced than, than what we're looking for. So um, it's a huge part of the game. Um, and I feel like ESPN two is doing a good job having the sabermetrics cast with like Mike Petriello and Edward Aguero Perez, Mm. um, or sometimes John Chiambi or whoever, you know, before he was the Cubs and kind of, or, um, uh, what's the White Sox play-by-play guy? Benetti, Jason Benetti. Jason Benetti. Yeah. Those are great because that's a really way, a fun way to explain that they're starting to do that a little bit with exit velocity and just Mm -hmm. kind of bringing people on. Launch angle, yeah, things right, like which that. is helpful. But dude, it it is a lot. Like it it does feel like homework for some of these people. Um, and I feel like the the best like uh, the key is to really breaking it down into something that's that's simple and digestible, you know. But you have yeah. you have to talk about it because that's how the game is played, and that's how these players are being evaluated. 
Yeah. And, and the game has really changed too. I know a lot of people might not understand that, but when we would, you know, be in little league or whatever, and a coach was teaching you how to hit, it's always, Oh, get on top of the ball. We want line drives and, you know, hit the ball down. Like that's what coaches would tell us. And they did a now, thing. Now on, if you hit the ball on the ground, you're dead. Cause you're, cause those are outs balls on the those ground are, are outs. And also, even if you hit it on the ground, like, like also they know where you're hitting it too. So like mm-hmm. they know exactly where to go. That's why athletic ability means nothing. I know if you watch Moneyball, like, or, you know, that like, they didn't give a shit if these guys were not athletes or whatever. They're like, who cares? We know exactly through advanced statistics where these guys are going to stand. So second baseman, especially like we really don't need, I mean, Max Muncy and Mike Moustakas are playing second base for Christ's sake. Like right. that would have never happened 20 years ago. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? They would have been laughed off the field, but because of advanced metrics, they're like, Mike, stand right here. Hey, Max, stand over here. The, you might have to move a foot or two to your left or right. You're going to be right there. We really don't care. You that's, know what? Another, another, that's the other problem, too, with, with the game, uh, the inaction, but also, like, you remove all athletic ability and and um, seeing these athletes really perform. You know, it was a, a really great uh, example of what you just said. Um, recreating, you know, recreating players in the aggregate, right? When the Braves, when uh, Ronald Cunha Jr. went down with that knee injury, oh my God, that's our premier outfielder. What are we going to do? We're, what we're going to do, we're not going to find a player like him. It's way too hard, but we're going to recreate him in the aggregate. How are we going to do that? We're going to recreate his power by going and get Jorge Soler. We're going to recreate his uh, average or whatever. We're going to get Adam Duvall. Is it Duvall? Um, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to go pick up speed with Ahmed Rosario, or, or I believe it was those three players that they picked up to recreate the statistics that Ronald Acuna produced. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos, their their president or GM, like he did an un, unbelievable job. I didn't give the Braves much credit. For the going they were 500 the, at the, the playoffs. Right? I was like, okay, well, the Braves will obviously lose in round one. We'll get rid of them. We'll move mm-hmm. on. I'll get to see the Padres. <laughs> Where are the, excuse me, I'll get to see the, the, the Dodgers and the Giants or the two teams that I obviously wanted, you know, wanted to go far. But I was like, I gave the Braves zero respect. No. Yeah. Well, I was pitching. like, they have Max Freed. That's it. I mean, Morton got hurt too. So you're like, oh, they're fucked. Like, no way they're going to win this series. Right. I said that watching it. I did it to my wife. I go, it's over. Like, he, he broke a shit or whatever. Like, they're not going to win this series. I yeah. couldn't believe it. Yeah. Once Mac or um, Soroka, or- uh, Soroka, when he comes back, because he had that, uh, you know, that uh, Achilles injury. But yeah, their bullpen really stepped up. I went to go see. Uh, the Brewers versus the Braves um, this uh, postseason, which was really nice. Braves Stadium, I'm sorry, Brewers, Brewers Stadium, highly underrated. Milwaukee is the, a city, just highly Milwaukee underrated. is Milwaukee's amazing. So I went to the second game ever at Miller Park. So I believe it was in 2000 or 2001, the summer of 2001. Uh, my dad worked 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 for many years for a beer distributorship miller is one of their distributors so friday night the first game against the reds griffey's playing this is when they had god they had richie sexton which is like their big hitter it's like yeah. six six seven or something tall, long yeah. lanky first baseman and uh and this was in miller park now it's like american insurance field or yeah. something which 
totally sucks. It was way cooler when it was Miller Park. Yeah, I still call it Miller Park. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, but like, and then, and then I went that next Saturday. So I went the second game ever played at, at the stadium. And it was like super, it was, it was awesome. I think they had Jeff Jenkins, uh, like that lefty outfielders dropping bombs. It was, it was super sweet. And then Miller Park, I got to go to the all-star game. Uh, the only one that ended in a tie in 02. Oh, so 2002, really? I got to go to the All-Star game with my dad. Sweet. We were right behind the American League dugout. So Torrey Hunter, Ichiro, Jeter, like they had a million Yankees because yeah. 01 was the year before and they had lost to the Diamondbacks in the World Series. So Schilling, ugh, who I loved growing up, he's very problematic now. It's a real, <laughs> it's a real fucking bummer because I loved him. He's like my favorite pitcher. But he, dude, he, he, he K'd the side and just like, like A-Rod just threw a fastball right by him, punched him out. And then Torrey Hunter robbed Bonds of a home run. Yes. Like in like center. Right. And then he he picked him. Right. And then he went and picked him up. But like, that was incredible. And then in the seventh inning, the PA announcer comes on and goes, it goes, if this game ends and it's because the game was tied and no one could score, they're like, if this game ends in a tie for the ninth inning, this game just ends in a tie. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've never seen a baseball, you know, I was like 14. I was like, I've never seen a baseball game end in a tie, like right. in my life. Like, how is that possible? Like, they're just going to end the game. Yeah. And I think after that, they're like, all right, we have to like create some incentive for make this, for make, to make the all star game like something that matters. Right. Yeah, they don't do that but, anymore, though. <clears throat> remember they did? Well, the winner was like got home field advantage in the World Series. Yeah. I mean, Is I that like sweet? that. No. I, I like it, too. Like, I mean, nothing could be worse than the Pro Bowl. That is – that's embarrassing. I think yeah. they should stop doing that. They should. Or they should make it a skills challenge. You know what I propose? I propose that you make every player play, are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> that would be entertaining. Dude, people would watch it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a reason these shows are on network TV. Like, you don't get to be on network TV unless millions of people watch it. Right. Or you're Steve Harvey. Or, yeah, dude. Steve Harvey, man. God. What else, John? You got anything else for me? (sighs) I think that's that's all I have as far as second baseman. I like, I like David Fletcher a lot. I'll say that. I think he's underrated. Um, Yeah, that's really all I have for second baseman, honestly. You have anything else in regards to the game of baseball? I don't know. People think Whit Merrifield is declining, but he was 40 for 44 in stolen bases last year at 33 years old. Which is- Yeah, I, I misspoke earlier when I said that Trey Turner was the only one to have higher uh, stolen bases than Tommy Edmond. That was a lie. So you're lying, so you're lying to your you're lying to the listeners. Well, at, to- least, at least I can comment and try to set the record straight on something. I did. I saw that and I was like, oh, shit, I got to say something. That's all good. But Oh, yeah. okay, so here's something interesting. So, again, like I said, time – so times to first base equates for stolen bases, not speed, like not just like being fast or speed ability. So Jonathan, Jonathan India. NL rookie of the year. 
Yeah, and it'll, it'll rookie of the year. <clears throat> so basically, they have rankings for like times to first base, so like how good, good you are at stolen bases. Ozzy Albies is 42, ranked 42, how fast he is and how like sprint speed like to stolen base, uh, to first base. Jonathan India is 213th. So Albies is ranked 42, Jonathan India is ranked 213. That's just the difference of 0.15 seconds. Okay, so yeah, those rankings are very uh, misleading, right? For sure. But I thought that was interesting. Because I wonder what the uh, – because Albies had 20 stolen bases and Jonathan 20 for, 20 for 24 12. stolen bases. Al- I guess Albies. it – I guess it does it does represent somewhat because Jonathan India had 12 stolen bases versus Ozzy Albies who had 20. Yeah. So eight more stolen bases. I guess yeah. that that small fraction of a five, yeah. But but this, can, is, this is but this is like what it makes this fucking game hard to explain. It's like these minute details and like it makes a big difference. Yeah. But that's the thing is is that if you we appreciate that. We appreciate those little small details that do make a huge difference you know it's a difference between squaring up on a barrel that's why they have barrel percentages now and if you just look at it and you see baseball like it is slow moving and boring but the whole science behind it is what makes it interesting and fun i think you it's know? it's similar I, I i really honestly equate it to golf like golf is so fucking boring to watch unless you've played it mm-hmm. and if you've played it you know exactly what they're thinking. You know, first of all, you know how hard it is. Like that is so important to understand, like how difficult it is to hit a golf ball consistently or straight a couple times. Mm. And similar with with baseball. And and you know, obviously, I was I was a pitcher, and so that whole thing, like the cat and mouse game of a pitcher catcher, what they're doing, what they do first time out, how they're setting them up. You know, there's so much mental and they're like, all right, we're going to throw them at like watching Kyle Hendricks pitch is incredible because he's so unconventional. And that's why it's so, it's so wonderful to watch him pitch. Cause he's like, are you going to throw a two seamer out here? And you think he's going to go change up or like, Oh, he's going to throw a low inside change up to a right-handed hitter. Like, mm. and who's going to do it three times in a row? Like, okay, you're going to go hard away. Then he's going to go soft away. Like the cat and mouse game and what you think he's going to do, not just him, just like all pitchers, like how they set people up. And it's also gratifying to watch Jacob LeBron just throw like 101 past the guy. It's like, all right, well, he's just going to blow him away. Yeah, you got no chance. Sometimes it's more fun to watch someone like Hendricks or whatever to be able to set people up and 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 be able to do that. And most people think that's boring. They're like, oh my God, they're just throwing pitches. It's like, you got to look at the catcher. You got to look where they're setting up. You got to look at the batter. You have to look, what are his tendencies? What does he do well? What does he don't? Like, how do you exploit his weaknesses? He thinks you're going to do this, but you're actually not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Or he thinks you are going to do it. So you, you do it, but you do it with a different pitch in a different location. That stuff is, is fascinating. It, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. And just the pace, the pace of it too. Like, I know, like, and again, this is probably me getting old, but, like, I like things that are just, like, a little bit relaxed. Like, I I enjoy the pace of the game. I'm a huge football fan. I'm a diehard Packers fan. But, like, Mm. dude, after Packers games, like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like, it takes so much out of me. I mean, I'm not – sometimes I scream, but, like, 
I am so emotionally invested in that game. And I'm stand, I get up and I stand up and I get angry. Like I do that with baseball, but not in the same way. I'm just, it's so much more. Baseball is my favorite sport because it's, it's just so much more enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, it's the pace of the game. And, uh, and I, I really like it. Now I just, dis- I disagree with you. One, I definitely think a pitch clock is coming. I don't think it's going to mess up the game that much, but because it's still going to be slow, but I, they got to do something about this pace of play. Like so, so, it can't okay. continue like this. So, so what is the pace of play going to do? You think that's going to bring more people? I don't think it will. And then what about the clock? So now runners are going to be on base and we see the, the clock four, three, two pitcher comes home. He sets. Now I can time up a pitcher. Like those things, like I am more so just a baseball purist and I think everything is good the way it is. I think changing these rules, you're not bringing anybody else new to the game. That's just how I see it. They're going to have, well, they're going to have to do so many things because it's so the games are so long and so slow. They're, they're gonna have not to do... though. They are just as long as football games. They're like three hours and five minutes. Like everyone says that, but if you look, they, they did like the averages of the games. They're I, not that much longer. No, but there's a lot more action yes. in basketball and football. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like it's, it's, Three hours you're and right. ten minutes. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. The timing is about is about the same. Although there is a lot of four hour baseball games, quite a few. Average is three ten. It, it's the inaction. It is the inaction, bro. If then you, why is soccer the most popular sport in the world? Like that's the most boring thing too. They score one nothing. Yeah, but it's but it's know? nonstop action. The people are always moving. The ball is always moving. I agree. Like I pray to God my son does not want to play soccer because that is yeah. suck so much. I do not want to go. I hated it when I was a kid. I didn't like playing soccer. Yeah. Um, I told my wife, I go. We can do swimming lessons. We can do other things. Like, I just don't want him to put in soccer because I don't want him liking it. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but, like, it's I don't want to go yeah. to soccer games on the weekends. I really yeah. don't. I'd rather I'd go to basketball games, baseball games, football games, you know. Um, L- I just, L.A. I can't do I won't do it. Yeah. I got to put my foot down somewhere. Yeah, I'm the man of the house, right? I'm yeah, not- I make I'm the man of the house. That being said, she makes 98% of the decisions. But I can I have this one, please? Yeah. I'm not driving this minivan to soccer practice, right? No. All right, John. I think Dude, that'll this do was, it for the, this today. This was awesome, man. I really, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, we can do more of these, man. This is great. Yeah, we'll keep up. Uh, we'll move, keep moving around the diamond. All right. Oh yeah, man. this is awesome. We will check you next time on Lost in the Shuffle.